You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Melissa Watson. Today we're sitting down with someone who is educating the interwebs on history, clothing, and folklore. She covers everything from antiquated beauty routines of royalty to the history behind flower sack dresses. Welcome to the show, Ghost in Time, Jessie. Hi, Hi Jessie. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. And it's such a big time difference. We appreciate you s- scheduling us into your day to sit down with us. That's completely fine. I'm I'm a night owl, so if if we'd have had this at two in the morning, I would have been completely fine. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I uh, was that person before I had a child. I was like lurking in the evening, you know, the boundless creativity and Mm -hmm. hobbies. No longer. And now it's like 930 and I'm like, I'm a wee bit tired. I'm going to have to go lay down. I'm going to have to go have a nap. My son, when I wake up in the morning, he goes, good morning, mom. And I'm like, good morning. And he goes, did you sleep so good? (laughs) And I'm like, I did. And he goes, the sun is awake. (laughs) He really thinks it's Christmas right now because we have snow and we just just had had Thanksgiving. So we like wake up and he goes, it's Christmas. Like, no, not not yet. It's going to be a long month, my dude. My dude. How is the weather over across the pond? How is everything? Um, It's... It's sort of in that weird in-between stage where it's not quite like completely freezing. I mean, sometimes I'll walk out in the morning and there'll be sun, but it will be like minus whatever. I mean, my room here mm-hmm. is freezing right now. I'm in a student house. There's absolutely terrible <laughs> sort of insulation, oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not great. <laughs> yeah, not the best. I have a great love for uh, Britain. Mm-hmm. My family was in the military, military family, but they spent 13 years in England. So we have way too many British customs that are a part of my family and what I grew up doing. And I didn't realize that they were strange until I was older. <laughs> so I've been looking at, we always order British candy for Christmas. What sort? So I just have, um, okay, first say your favorite and then I'll say my favorite. Uh, quality street for me for Christmas. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I love, there's, their black currant hard candies are one of my favorites. Uh-huh. Uh, I love a flake bar. Those are delightful. I also love pips. Mm-hmm. Are just like cute. They're like they're like dum dums, but minuscule. Oh, they're like so teeny tiny. Um, my husband really likes. Um, oh my god, what is it? It's rose flavored Turkish delight. Oh, I have never been able to get behind Turkish delight. Um, those are some of my like top favorites. Anything Cadbury, Cadbury buttons. If I see those, eating them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, those are, oh, and, uh, wine gums, wine gummies. I like those. Interesting. Good choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and squash fly cookies. I don't, I don't know anything about any of these things, okay. but I'm sorry, Jesse. Right. I spent two weeks in London when I was 13 and that's about the extent that's of it. my British knowledge. That's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> we had good toffee. You have great toffee over there. Perfect. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> It's because of your recipe, your family's yeah, right, recipe yeah. <laughs> for toffee. But you live really in like, I'm sure you don't feel this way. Maybe you do. The epicenter of history and classic literature and all of those things, which I'm sure makes what you love to do a little bit easier to get into, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I live 
roundabout Sussex and just because there's so much going on round, there's been so many opportunities during school to just go to the specific castle where this thing happened or go see this specific place where that happened. And so it's, I mean, it's a really kind of hands-on kind of just go and see it, just walk outside. That's so cool. I rolled my eyes because I was like, that sounds like a goddamn dream. I know. Yeah, because we, you know, uh, the, the oldest building in the town where we live is like, I don't know, maybe 100 years old. There's, we don't have history here. We don't yeah. have long history here. So no. it's, I don't know, it would be so novel to like be living in a place where you could go visit the sites and like read the history and then also be able to kind of experience it at in the setting. Yeah, that's really rad to be able to just be like, oh, I read about this place. Let's go have a look. Yeah, go explore. I mean, we were doing that in primary school. I mean, I remember being like, it's only been about six or seven and we went to like a specific abbey to do with what we were learning in history that was like a thousand years old. <laughs> we were only little wow. kids who didn't really understand. <laughs> so. Right. And I'm sure when you're around it all the time, right, it's just home. Yeah, it's that's just yeah exactly. It's normal. like no one really yeah. thinks of it as like, wow. Like, I mean, it's wow to me just because I'm really into history. But I think for most people, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, there's another castle. <laughs> you just driven past. <laughs> so boring. Look at all the tourists at that damn yeah. castle. <laughs> what are they doing? You are quite a bit younger than the two of us, which I find so interesting that you have such a love for the eras that you study. Where did collecting get started for you? Like, when did you start to notice that you had an affinity for these things and the love for them? I mean, for me, when I was about 11 or 12, I got so into like older music. And I think from there, that's where it kind of branched out. Like, immediately when I was young I I just got really into like 70s and 80s stuff like I was obsessed with David Bowie for years and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and so I would kind of collect any sort of like magazines or memorabilia that kind of related to people like that and so Mm -hmm. I think when you get into kind of one thing like music it all just kind of branches out like you get into the clothing and then you get into other decades of clothing and then it branches out into film and then it branches out into books and then I think by the time I was probably about 17 I think it kind of went past just I have an interest in this and went more into I think this is like a full lifestyle that like I could really get into like I don't just want to be a bit into music I want to like dress every day (laughs) in like a very specific style and like I want to go and do history properly at uni and I want to become a historian. I love that launching off point. And we share a love for David Bowie when I was reading over your questionnaire and I saw the David Bowie thing I was like David Bowie was, I was probably the same age as you when, or a little younger. The Labyrinth is my all-time favorite movie. I have the worm tattooed. It is. I have on the other side of this wall a very Christ-like picture of David Bowie as Jareth. (laughs) It's very ethereal, and he watches over us, you know, as we do our thing. But when I read that, he is such a great jumping-off point to have that interest, I think, personally, because he covered so much in his lifetime of music and his catalog of style and being an innovator of like playing first with like binary rules of gender yeah and also weird fad diets like milk and cocaine and chili peppers (laughs) it's what i have for breakfast every morning everybody's (laughs) breakfast jumping off point but i love that that led to uh it sounds like a little bit of an awakening for you of this is this is now my life purpose like i want to do this thing. What importance is it, like history specifically, what importance is that to you to learn so much about it, to teach about it? I mean, for me, I'm someone that I know people kind of get into history because they want to 
they want realism and they want to see exactly what happened. But for me, history is just this kind of magical thing where it almost, I think maybe just because I am young, it's, it almost seems like a fantasy world where like when I look back at like, I don't know, a film from the 30s almost seems like it's not quite real. And like mm-hmm. the whole kind of aesthetic of it all. It's yeah. just so yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. Although it seems so far away, right? When you think about like where you're at and where you're born. Like, yeah. you know, we were both born in the 90s. And um, I remember looking back to things from the 60s and 50s and thinking yeah. like, that was such a long yeah. time ago that people were living this way. Much yeah. to my grandparents' chagrin when they were like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. It's almost it's, like sort yeah. of just decoding it in a way because like I think mm-hmm. I've noticed with people who I'm friends with who aren't really into history or they don't really watch older films it's almost like a kind of wall where like they can't get past that something's older because they can't, they kind of can't understand it or they can't relate to it and yeah. I think for me it was just sort of exposing myself to it so often that like it becomes familiar to me and I can completely understand like oh that person's wearing this because it relates to this trend and they would get it in mm-hmm. this place and it just, mm-hmm. it sort of like fills in the blanks for me. And I just find it so interesting. Well, and we're all, I feel like as a human race, right, we're all trying to find a way to connect with things we have no reference for, right? To figure out, like realizing that people of the past had the same feelings and hardships and not hardships, but you know what I mean? The same struggles yeah. that we have today, but it's in a very different context. Right. Yeah. And I find that it's endearing, isn't it, to learn? I mean, everything we collect has some type of story. And to learn that story leads you to the connection of what somebody else was going through. At least I think that way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, all, all the stuff that we use now is going to be like that one day. And it's just mm-hmm. weird to think that, like, you can look at something and think, oh, like, this person was using this and this time. And now I'm using, like, the modern equivalent of that item and then someone 50 years from me is going to be using an even more kind of (laughs) advanced version Mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. 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 Well, we were talking about, I was, before we started recording, I had mentioned you have this video on your Instagram, Ghost in Time, that is uh, like antiquated beauty routine, right, of an empress. Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting because one day, like, that's going to be us. Like, somebody's going to be like, what did, you know, Bella Hadid used to get ready or whatever else. Yeah. And we'll have those same kind of eye-rolling moments of like what yeah i mean that specific video is about um empress elizabeth and she is so intense in her i mean she's probably an example of one of the like more intense people in history who had this like very specific beauty routine i mean in the modern day she'd probably be considered someone that might have had like an eating disorder or bodies of smorphia or something but i think especially Mm -hmm. now with like social media and celebrities and stuff we're going to get these like crazily intense beauty routines in the future that people are looking back on like god i can't believe that this specific celebrity did this to their face or wore this or did this in this way it's going to seem insane yeah like the vampire facial that's going to yeah. seem <laughs> archaic. Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is. What's a vampire facial? They basically like take your blood out of your body, uh-huh. spin it to get the collagen and the stem oh. cells and things. Uh-huh. And then they, don't they puncture your face with like a little needling tool? I don't know. And then put your collagen and stuff on your face from your own body. That seems... Spelltrack's giving me a nod of approval. I think it was Weird. Kim Kardashian that did that or something, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I've seen all that. I mean, obviously, I've heard that's of... an extreme. It's not like the yeah, yeah, right, yeah, doing that. Yeah. But it's the stuff that people are going to focus on in the future. They're not going to be thinking about people that went to the shops and just got some 
some facial cream for a pound. They're going to be looking at like Kim Kardashian <laughs> using mm-hmm. her right. blood to keep ourselves young. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we are the most documented society. Yeah. Ever. Because everybody has access to a smartphone. Yeah. Everybody has a way to document their day and record the most mundane shit that we do from day to (laughs) day. That like in a hundred years, they're just going to pull up like Google Drive and be like, what did they do on October 22nd at 9.50 in the morning? And it's just like weird shots of our lunch. Yeah. And like our weight. I think about that a lot. Like like all of the the Snapchat filters, like the little koala bear filters, Mm -hmm. like in... 50, 60 years, grandkids are going to be like, look at this picture I found of my grandma. And it's like, <laughs> it's like handsome Squidward. <laughs> I just like, it's just so weird to me. Or like the boomer Facebook profiles that are like heavily filtered. They don't have a nose. Their yeah. eyebrows like half in their hair. And the frame says like happy new year, but it's, it's in mid July. One day, <laughs> mark my words, one day there's going to be a company that specializes in defiltering photos to see what oh, yeah. the real person looked like. I'm sure there's something already. Yeah, I don't know. Because that information is probably stored digitally. Digitally, somehow. I don't know. In the clouds. I don't know. It's interesting to me. I think for me, it's the opposite where like people are going to be looking at my photos and going to misjudge the era because I'm dressed in a certain way. (laughs) Yeah, that's true too. Oh, right. Maybe you're like a time bandit. They won't know. Yeah, I'll have to take everything in black and white and then I'll just (laughs) have to Mm -hmm. scan it. There you go. Thinking I'm 200 years old. I love it. Flip phone, so it looks older than it is. Yeah, yeah. I love that idea. I find it so fascinating to look at history through the lens of something very personable, Mm -hmm. personal, and very human, like a skincare routine or fashion or music, because it brings like an overarching historical context down to a very personal human level Mm -hmm. that it's more easy for me to understand. Mm -hmm. Like. It would be like me sitting down with my grandmother when she was in her 20s and mm-hmm. talking about it rather than yeah. like as a culture, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I think that what you do is really like foundational to understanding the larger historical context. Yeah. And for those of us, so will you explain the Empress's Beauty routine to the listeners in case they don't have time to find that video? I hope you have to. That's your homework. But will you explain to us what she did that now seems so like the hits the notes of body dysmorphia and an eating disorder, which trigger warning, if you struggle with any of those things, please feel free to skip ahead on this segment. Well, um, Empress Elizabeth, she was at the time, she was the Empress of Austria and she was one of I think she was considered one of the most beautiful women alive in her time. And at the time she had this very intense beauty routine where like she would wake up every day. She would immediately like be working out. She'd be getting in baths that were like freezing cold, stuff like that. But the things that people usually speak about when they talk about her is one of the things she did is when she would go to bed, she would wear a mask that was made of meat to kind of go to bed with. I mean, she had other ones of like crushed strawberries and stuff like that, but the the, the often the image of her is her with like a, a mask made of meat, which just sounds obviously horrific. Yeah. Taking a Lady Gaga took some inspiration. Yeah. Maybe. I wonder how often she woke up with food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it might horrifying. have worked though, because um, yeah. I think she, she stopped posing for photographs when she was 32. And 
So we only really have like accounts of her from people who've sort of taken like a sneaky photo or something like that from when she was older. And th there's been a death mask made of her. And she, she looks quite young. She looks quite good. She, she, I mean, she was assassinated. So it wasn't great for her, but she looked pretty good for her age, which oh, I think good. was about 60 something. I'm done taking photos. Yeah. Okay. I'm 32. We're both 32. I'm 33. Just got to Don't you? Doing Empress Sissy and just never. Yeah. Have a yeah. yeah. Get my meat mask. Fetch yeah. my meat mask. I'm going to bed. <laughs> Which, when you said the dipping in freezing cold temperatures, there's kind of a resurgence of that yeah. right now of people. Yeah. Like I, there was somebody in town that built this ridiculous house, this gigantic house, and in the home they built an ice bath, like a custom ice bath and a custom like hot tub. So that they could do the the flopping back and forth between the hot and the cold, and I've seen like TikToks about it, like it's coming up on my algorithm because to me it's fascinating to put your body in that, you know. Yeah, and I I've heard like a few of my friends have they take cold showers in the morning instead of hot showers, and apparently it's like really good for your skin. It shrinks your pores and it makes your hair really healthy. And it's like I just we'll have to look that up, like the benefits of that. Great yeah. does it. It's horrifying. I I just will not put myself through discomfort for the sake of beauty. I will not do it. I mean, Weird. drinking green yeah. tea is meant to do the same thing, and I think I'd rather just have it. Yeah, <laughs> a nice hot cup of tea rather than an ice cold, mm -hmm. yeah, horrifying Don't do the horrible shower. stuff. Just do the easy stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it ruined my damn day. Yeah. 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 Uh-uh. That's what I need. Sprucing. Just some <laughs> sprucings up. So have you found any uh, skincare routines from the past that you have incorporated into your your daily routine? Um, or is it I, I mean, I don't wear a mask made of meat, but... Um, <laughs> not I mean, that, yet. Not, not yet. That could be <laughs> my next adventure. <laughs> but um, I mean, you can go to the store right now. You can go to the shops and you can find products that people used in like the 50s. Like I know that Pond's Cold Cream, which I, I have in my mm -hmm. cupboard right now, it's like the classic. That, I mean, loads of people use it now, it, but it people using it in the 50s all the time i mean there's yeah. all sorts of yeah. i mean you don't need to look for specific things online like weird concoctions you can literally just go to like you know the drugstore and just get things that people have been using yeah. for like 60 70 years yeah yeah and just continue i mean i've never used cold cream i should maybe i should incorporate that yeah into my either. um but i love i love specifically we spoke about this before we started recording i love the take like melissa said to touch on that the take you're taking on history to make it digestible in the facts that you don't necessarily hear about people. Like we can go out and find like any Wikipedia page or historical article written about famous people, right? But the your approach to taking these little nuggets of history and making them digestible in a small little like video or Instagram post, I think is so great and really rare mm -hmm. in content because sometimes it's just an overwhelming dump of information. Yeah. And like your little post on arsenic clothing was so interesting because a lot of people know about arsenic poisoning and the things that happened and it being in wallpaper, but people often forget that it was also, I mean, in regular everyday textiles. Yeah. Because of the color scheme. It was green, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've had this problem a lot in the past where like, I mean, because I go to uni and I have to look at so many specific like texts and extracts and books and stuff. And it could be about the most interesting thing. Like, it doesn't matter what it is, but something about the way it's just set out in this very academic way is just so boring to read. It's so hard to look yes. at. Even if you're someone that's doing it professionally, I, I just don't yeah. know how you could. And I think for people online that have an interest in history, whether it just be like a very passing interest or whether they're like really into like clothing or makeup or something, 
it's so hard to be able to find out things if you're trying to go straight to the source. And I think for me, I I mean, I'm someone that's kind of grown up being able to like go on YouTube and stuff and that you've got all these like YouTubers now like Rachel Maxey and um, Bernadette Banner mm-hmm. who are like these kind of younger women that kind of take things that are quite popular among younger people in terms of like clothing history and they can kind of like remake it in a way that it's completely digestible to their specific audience and I think for me I was just I was trying to make things that like would help me like things that I'd want to hear about or find interesting and I think there's mm-hmm. a I mean, there's a big group of people that clearly have an interest in stuff like that. I mean, I'm not sure you could do the same thing about other points in history, certain mm-hmm. things, but just something about clothing or something about makeup or things like that. It's just people find it really interesting to view in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, too, that you brought up those specific creators. And, yeah, that's kind of what they've done in their niche really well, right, is make it accessible in the dialogue of their either listeners or followers or whatever that align with those you know, values. And there's some people that are like with period specific clothing or attire where it's like everything has to be down to the wire of what, you know, you should be wearing. Are you one of those people also that's like everything has to be period complete for one outfit or do you mix and match like decades and styles? I think I I used to be one of those people. I mean, I feel like everyone who kind of gets into the vintage clothing community has that kind of era where they're they're like right I'm only going to dress 50s I'm only going to buy 50s things or or whatever decade it is and then I think as you kind of get used to that or you keep doing that eventually you just get too interested by it it's also almost like cheating on your era you're like oh I'm quite like that (laughs) from the 60s or quite like that from the 70s and then eventually I think you almost kind of surpass the idea of like dressing for a decade and it just becomes like historically inspired yeah Oh, I love that take on it. Historically huh. inspired. Which, does everybody start with the 50s clothing? I, I certainly did. I did. <laughs> I think it's just because it's it's such a neat... It's almost like the breaking off point from when people kind of understand things. Like, I've noticed most people, their knowledge on the past, whether it be like music, film, clothing, kind of goes to about the 60s. And then as soon as it gets... I think it gets a bit more, like, conservative and put together in the 50s. It kind of puts them off. So I think when people are going for vintage, their immediate thought is, oh, go to the 50s, because that's kind of where... Mm-hmm it starts to seem almost like not quite relatable to the modern mm-hmm. person. Yeah. And it's still heavily in pop culture, right? So it's yeah. not, I think that some people feel self-conscious about dressing like in 18th or 19th century, you know, period specific clothing, where the 50s is still very accessible. A lot of the silhouettes are still very popular today, mm-hmm. makeup trends and different things like that. Like there's subgroups you can find of people yeah. that love the 50s vintage Styling, not the values. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> vintage style, not vintage values. That's a very exactly. Yeah, thing right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I have to ask about with your love of history and studying that in university, what are your goals with this degree in history? What do you hope to achieve with it? I mean, going into fashion history, it's kind of, it's not like an easy path in the same way as with other types of history I mean I know that most historians in the UK I mean realistically there's a bit of a group of very specific like Oxford Cambridge educated people who are into like a very specific period in time and it seems quite a closed off group and I think for me as someone who's more of like a a working class student who just sort of wants to get into fashion history I mean Mm -hmm. I suppose the only way I could really go about that is through social media through stuff like that I mean there's not really like an avenue that you can just sort of go down. It's yeah. kind of like a new 
in a way it kind of is like a new industry i mean obviously there have been fashion historians working for years but like in terms of the modern day like like i said earlier when people kind of refer to people like Cowley as a browser or bernadette banner online it's kind of this new job almost of these women who are just really into history and kind of acting as fashion historians in a way that i think mm-hmm. typical historians don't really talk about that subject yeah. And that's how most people seek out information now is through different social media platforms, right? Whether right, wrong or indifferent. Like you have TikTok, you have Instagram, you have Reddit, you have Google, you know, of where people are going like, I got to find this one bit of information. Oh, look, here's somebody that covers this specific era or whatever really well. I'm just going to do a deep dive here, learn what I want to learn and move along. Yeah. The structure of it is very, very different than even I, 15 years ago. Yeah. Like the amount of change the internet has seen since we were kids right you know there was like this time when you had an internet app on your phone it was called web and if you pushed it it caused a panic attack because it was so fucking expensive (laughs) that you would just have to immediately turn your phone off because if it connected you were effed yep majorly it would cost your parents hundreds of dollars apparently yeah for the shittiest internet oh yeah And now, you know, I'd like we own an estate sale company and we heavily rely on Google Lens and eBay search features and different things on the Internet to do the research we need to do in these homes. Like if we had to go home or carry around books with us based in like what these items were, Mm -hmm. I would not do this as a job. (laughs) It's much more accessible now. And I do. I do like I love that. It's let's change the pace of the world, obviously. Yeah. Duh. But I think that your take on it and wanting to get the degree and teach it in a different way is very admirable to to see that approach and to go after it in this new kind of wild west of Yeah, it's history. almost like making a new career path. I mean, like the idea yeah. of going online and specifically talking about something in relation to history is, I mean, it's, like you said, it's not really, it wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible like 10, 20 years ago. I mean, I'd still love to do something like work for the National Trust or English Heritage or something. But yeah. in terms of the specific stuff I'm interested in, it's almost like you kind of have to make your own space to kind of share that and, mm-hmm. you know, make a career out of that. Yeah. yeah, which is, yeah, very true. You have to find your niche and the the people that are really after that content, yeah. right? You can't really cast a wide net on the internet anymore. Yeah. Because there's a hundred other people that are doing that. Totally. You know, Melissa? I do. <laughs> I do, actually. So is your your degree is specifically in fashion history or is it a, a wider degree than that? It's, it's it's just general history. As far as I'm aware, there's only one um, fashion history undergraduate degree in the UK and that's in the University of Brighton. And okay. I think for me at the time, I wanted to do something interesting in clothing I, I love film I love music I love everything like that and I kind of wanted to do something broad mm-hmm. but okay. yeah I mean I think there should definitely be more courses for um like fashion and things like that because I think generally when you look at courses in history at least in England they're so very specific to like war or something like that and there's mm, not a lot yeah. that focuses on like more clothing or culture and media yeah yeah. And I think that's a will be, you know, it is heavily influential, right? And of course, we all know a lot about war history. It's heavily documented and how clothing changed and the way people did things changed. And I think that the approach of seeking it out specifically in popular media mm-hmm. is very cool because that that is how the world decides what's cool to wear and what's not cool to wear, I think. Yeah. 
So Jesse, can you tell us more about your specific collection? Like tell us about like what when you open your closet, what would I expect to see if I opened your closet? I mean, initially you'd see a mess, but um, <laughs> I collect all sorts of clothing that pretty much anything from like true vintage to like vintage inspired stuff. I mean, I've probably, in terms of true vintage stuff, I've probably got from about the 50s to the 90s, maybe. And then okay. I have loads of things that is kind of looks like it could be vintage. I mean, it's a complete variation of stuff. I mean, I, I, I've got loads of like jewelry and brooches and rings and stuff like that. I've pretty much just magpied all sorts of stuff over years to kind of put together a collection so that I think when I get dressed up every day, even if it's not pertaining to a particular era or it's not all complete vintage. I mean, sometimes I get stopped in supermarkets and someone's like, are you, are you dressed up as a specific thing? Or, you know, <laughs> I can kind of see that you're dressing vintage, but I, I had an, an elderly woman walk up to me once and she was like, it's kind of vintage, but it's not at the same time. And I, and I, I understood what she meant. I was happy she said You're like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow. So I have to ask, because we're 90s babies, eight, late 80s, yes. 90, 1990, what things from the 90s do you collect? I'm very interested to see what the draw is and what I should have held on to from my childhood. I mean, I'm so, you may be disappointed, but most of the things from the 90s I have are things that specifically look older. Because the 90s is quite a weird point in time because you can get these things where, like, you can get a dress that looks very much 40s or very much, like... Like, it just doesn't look right. And at the time, it probably would have been considered, like, very frumpy. Like, I, I mean, you can watch 90s shows now where people are being made fun of for wearing, like, Laura Rashley or something just because it looks really mm -hmm. outdated. But I, I just love stuff like that from the 90s. Oh, that's so cool. It's something, like, I remember those things. Yeah. And seeing them. I'm sure I bought them at some point. Yeah. I think I, I have at least one piece that I can think of in my closet that it's a it's – it's from the 90s, but I, it's in the, like – you know, that pencil skirt 40s style. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, With it all gigantic shoulder pads. Oh, the shoulder pads. The shoulder pads. I mean, you can see so Those... many people online where, like, they've looked at stuff from, like, the 90s or 2000s for all that's ugly. And then 10 years later, it's like, oh, it's a new thing. It's a new trend. <laughs> I mean, pretty much anything mm -hmm. considered ugly now. Like, I'm sure people look at stuff from, like, the 2010s now, like, weird skater skirts, like, Galaxy yeah. different, and just think it's awful. But in, like, 10, 20 years, it's, it's going to be that sort of ironic, frumpy cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very much so. Like, walking into Target now is, like, just walking into my childhood. Like, the teen section uh -huh. is literally everything from my childhood. And I was like, what? Yeah. Everything, yeah, everything comes around. Which but, it totally, it's interesting to see what is, it comes back as still, like, popular, you know, like, it's the trend again, but altered just a little bit. Yeah. I am not happy that low-rise pants are coming back. No. I do not like the low-rise oh, pants. I don't, I barely own any trousers at all, it's all skirts, I mean, skirts and dresses. Yeah. Pants are prisons. Yes. No, mm -hmm. I agree. But uh, that's where it is. Well, um, and the low-rise pants, for those of you listening that are also Jesse's age, don't do it, okay? No, your butt crack does not deserve that much screen time. Yeah. And also, I have permanent hip dips from my low-rise yeah. pants because I gained weight while wearing them. Mm -hmm. And they, those hip dips will never leave. No. <laughs> never. It's not I think I have it. them nope. even without wearing no. Well, <laughs> and don't do anything I, I, to your damn eyebrows. Give me something eyebrows. to blame, Jesse. Leave oh, your yeah. eyebrows Leave alone. your eyebrows alone. 
Jesse, you have great eyebrows. <laughs> Don't you. do the thin thing. It'll never oh. recover, and they'll end up just looking like sperm. Yeah. My mom's still regrowing hers from the 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a, I was a hairdresser. Okay. Here's okay. Science Corner for why that happens. The overplucking and waxing of any type of body hair damages the hair bulb, which uh-huh. is where your hair grows from. Uh-huh. If you do continual damage like obsessive plucking or shaping of your brows or anything on your body, you will cause damage to the hair bulb, making it not produce any more hair. So mm. if it's a continual thing, the chances of that hair growing back are like three out of ten. Wow. So don't. Yeah, I think we Unless all live in fear of something like 30s kind of drawn on eyebrows. Oh, yeah, back, oh, like, like the, the super high eyebrows. Arch. Yeah, yeah I just it? have to go into hiding. I couldn't do that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Like I saw something uh, the other day on TikTok that was like winged eyeliner is back. And I was like, what? It's back. What? Where did it go? That's <laughs> what I've, I've always done. I've always done that. <laughs> Crippled by the wing. Yep. So with your collection of things, you also have a a small Barbie collection? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm one of those creepy people that kind of collects dolls. I mean, when I was younger, I immediately kind of went for, like, the weird China doll-looking thing, and my parents were like, we are not having those in the house. Like, that is not <laughs> something that's happening. <laughs> and I think I've kind of found this nice medium between um collecting stuff like that and collecting less creepy modern stuff. And I love collecting, like, weird old Barbies, like, really kishy ones. Stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's so expensive in the UK. I mean, I've I've been on eBay and you can look at the listings in America and it's like just tons of stuff for cheap, but like weirdly in the UK, they're like rare. <laughs> well, if you ever see something in the US that you're like, I have to have this Barbie, you can message us. Yes. Okay. We could when we, we can, can we can make it, that happen. We can make it happen for you. Shipping well. may be a bit much, but yeah. Barbie will be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so what like what what era of Barbies are you collecting? Right now, I'm doing the whole thing of trying to collect all the ones from the 2000 films that I kind of grew up with, like the kind of Princess and the Pond and stuff like that. Yeah, I love that. And then I've got some weird like 90s Avon ones that are a bit dodgy looking. Those were a trip. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's because when I think of collecting Barbies, I think of collecting like the original Barbies from Mm -hmm. the 50s. But you're talking about collecting Barbies that I probably owned as a child. It's I, with, I mean, really they're vintage now. I mean, people talk about yeah. them, like, yeah. these like rare vintage items. That's well, we so had an estate sale with like a bin full of Barbies. Oh, yeah, unopened. And in none the of them were left at the end of the sale. And it, yeah, really? they were all really cool. Yeah. I mean, they were very. Made so many like weird ones that relate to historical figures or like uh-huh. specific films and tie ins like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I me, would buy, if given the chance, the Spice Girls Barbies. Oh, yeah. I would buy them. I would buy the whole goddamn set and display it. Oh yeah, didn't they have their own line of dolls or something? Like like mm-hmm. some really I think weird. They did. I don't know if they were specific Barbie ones or if they were like ones they made. Yeah, because the they were in like the same stature of a Barbie, yeah. but they yeah. were a little bit bigger of a head, kind of like a. I mean, that was kind of a, a trend in the nineties, wasn't it? Like stars oh, having yeah. their own doll line. Yeah, yeah. I think every pop star had a doll of some kind. Even like there was in sync dolls. I was just going to say, boy dolls. I think I had. At least one Backstreet Boy mm-hmm. doll. I had. I've told the story a million times because it's still a. It's a. It's a trauma. My mom got me the posh doll. Posh Spice. And I was a baby Spice girl. Ah. Oh. Yeah. And I had a friend who was like a very spoiled person. Uh huh. She had the entire set 
of the Spice World dolls. She had all of the dolls, all of their outfits, the tour bus, Ooh. like literally everything. I would not have pinned you as a baby Spice girl. Loved her. I was blonde as a kid, so I was like, she looks like me. I was a posh Spice girl, but it was because she was British and I was fascinated. They were with all Britain. British. Well, they were all British? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> that was Gray's first concert. <laughs> yeah, Gray went to the Spice Girls the concert. Spice Girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, I find that fascinating. I guess I wasn't that into the Spice Girls, obviously. Oh, it's a diehard. What about you, Jesse? Any interest in the Spice Girls? <laughs> um, n- <laughs> when I was younger, I was very much into alternative stuff. I mean, my first concert was Black Belt Brides, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was only about fourteen as well. I was into stuff. Oh, because like you had the Goth to History pipeline. Oh right? yeah, that pipeline. <laughs> I completely. It's had very that. true. Yeah. Spellcheck is laughing because it's true. Yes, really. One day you'll circle back to the goth thing. Yeah, probably. I mean, I might already be there, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, there you go. It happens. It's true. Like that That interest, like goth alternative to history, I am certain. Like it, there, it needs to be academically studied because mm-hmm. it is most definitely yeah. a trajectory that everybody that is into it has taken. Yep. I think it's because of the relation of, um, like when you look back at like really early goth influences, like, if you look at someone like Dave Vanian from The Damned, who was, like, doing goth in, like, the 70s, he's looking back to, like, the kind of 20s and 30s, like, black and white films, like, German Impressionist stuff. And you can, like, kind mm-hmm. of yeah. see in... I don't know if you've seen stuff like The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari or, like, Nosferatu or stuff, but you can, like, see the exact, like, influences. And I think if you're kind of into alternative kind of gothic stuff, you kind of just naturally work your way back until you're looking at, like, influences from, like, the 30s. And then I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's maybe how the pipeline works. Well, even if you look at like, you know, high goth kind of attire relates almost directly to Victorian mourning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's all Mm -hmm. different facets you can go down. You can go down the Victorian route. You can go down like the cinema route. You can go down like Mm -hmm. 80s kind of goth stuff. I mean, Uh (laughs) it just all kind of relates. I mean, you could do a whole 80s goth glam. Yeah. It's like a high camp Victorian. There you go. Yeah. I'm just saying it. Maybe I'll do my dissertation on it. (laughs) There you go. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, I love that. I love that this, I, the more I find out about you, the more I'm like, oh my God, she's so interesting. The The facets that are happening in your brain are very, very cool. Like I align with that yes. specifically because that's how my brain works. Like it's a, heavily influenced by the things I like or heavily influenced by like pop culture or different things I've seen or read or had a daydream about mm-hmm. in the way I decorate or collect things that I guess I've never connected until this moment <laughs> right now. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I mean, I try to tell people in my day-to-day life about this and they just look at me like I'm insane. Like I'm trying to have a conversation with them about some specific film and how it relates to something else. And they're just like, Jesse, I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Do stuff. you do the thing? I wonder if anybody else does this. When I watch a show specifically a period-based show, I'm looking in the background at all of the set pieces to be like, what is that? Where is that from? Where?" And I end up Googling them. Does anybody else, does anybody else do that? I'm doing that with the clothes at all times. And I'm thinking like, how can I recreate that? Like pretty much anything I watch, like I can't watch it without immediately wanting to dress like one of the characters. Like right now I'm re-watching Buffy for like the third time. And I'm just yes. absolutely obsessed with everything Drusilla's wearing. And I'm going online and I'm like going for all these eBay trying to find specific coats and specific things like that. I love that. That's awesome. I just started watching a show uh, called The Nevers. It's on HBO Max. Have you seen it? It's really great. Um, it's a like set in 
the early 1900s, like right before the 1900s. Mm-hmm. And the set design and the clothing and the they even have like period specific glassware and crystal. And I was watching and I was like, I've seen that crystal pattern before. And I looked it up and it is to the date accurate to the timeline they're shooting the show. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a that's a really pro set design. I then. was like, this is an expensive set. Yeah. First of all, the budget is insane. Because like one of them, it was like a carafe, right? And so it has a silver top and a silver handle. And then the whole base of it is like cut Waterford crystal almost. And it's cut in like a Star of David kind of pattern. And that alone on eBay was like $130 sold price. Wow. For wow. that. So that if you're interested in looking up that show to just watch the background, there you go. You know, sometimes it's interesting doing the opposite, though, where, like, a show is so bad at historical accuracy. It's like, you're like, that wouldn't be there. Yeah. Well, sometimes they do it purposefully, though. I mean, like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite films is The Love Witch, and that's the most, like, anachronistically weird film. Have you seen it? It's like... No. Uh-uh. Oh, if you're listening to this, like, this is a brilliant film. It's by Anna Biller, and I think it came out in 2016. It's this film, um, and it's it's... It's a modern film, but it's shot to look like it was kind of set in the 60s or 70s. And but mm. it's not actually set there. It's just in this like weird midpoint where like everyone's wearing 60s and 70s clothing, but then there'd be like modern cars and then there'd be like modern things in the background. And it's all purposeful. Like it's not like bad set design or something. It's just, <laughs> it's just really weird to look at. Like I think it's so interesting. Oh, I'm gonna That's have to cool. watch yeah. that. We have to put that on. Yeah. For sure. Because I love I love either intentional or not intentional film mistakes. Yeah. Those are one of my favorite things yeah. <laughs> to know about. Um, I wish we could talk to you for a hundred years about what you're doing. And I can't wait to see where this goes for you. And I can't wait to see your following grow because the, the content you're making is truly wonderful and it's deserves more praise. Yeah. It's I mean, very, very so good. <laughs> and you're still just a little baby. Like yeah. you have so much there's you got all, nothing but future ahead of you. Nothing but future. <laughs> and Barbies. Vintage yeah. Barbies. Yeah. Now before we get to uh my favorite part of the show, where can our listeners find this delectable content that you're creating for us? Um currently exclusively only on Instagram at Ghost in Time. I mean, maybe yes. I'll branch out one day, but I'm terrified of TikTok. I'm absolutely terrified. <laughs> I don't think Fair. I people do are mean on TikTok. They are. They are mean. I don't think I could handle it. I'd have a breakdown. I had a video go viral and it, it gave me a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. Not, you know, that happened the first the- time. So it went viral for me on Instagram. I was like, oh my God. Like it was like a like every second. Like it's not even impressive. But I was like, yeah. My heart mm-hmm. was beating. Yeah. yeah. And that video still gets likes and I'm like, leave it alone. Yeah, just stop <laughs> it. Drop everybody. it. <laughs> I was just minding my own business and my phone started to vibrate down my body on my chest. And I was like, oh, the group chat must be going nuts. And then I looked and I was like, holy shit. It's like at, that video has like two million views. Mm-hmm. Two million? It. What yeah. was it about? Uh, Victorian hair chain. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, hi. It was, it, it's giving me. Even still. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and we, of course, will have all of your stuff tagged and shared throughout this week. Um, please do some time, get a little, some snackies, sit down and go through some of the things that Miss Jessie is teaching us because they are incredible nuggets of knowledge. Yeah. They're really, truly awesome. And that beauty routine video, so good. <laughs> so good. So this is my favorite part of the show. For those of you that are new to the podcast, every week on the Mothball Prophecies, we do an imaginary estate sale walkthrough. Now, the items 
in the estate sale are very real and do exist in the real world. But it is our job to pick one of the items listed in each scenario. They are your favorite things. They're the best color. They are in perfect condition. You have all the money in the world and it will fit most certainly into your life. All right. Now, this one, we are fun because we're across the pond, okay? And we are getting ready to walk through one of the UK's top-tier flea markets. It is the Newark International Antiques and Collectors Fair. I could have a shorter name, but you can workshop it. (laughs) It is an 84-acre site. Oh, my gosh. up to 2,500 stands. Sounds like the brimfield of the UK. Yeah. All right. We have good shoes on. We are hydrated. We got a little trolley behind us. Okay. 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 We walk up to the first booth past the entrance, and we gander at the collection of antique and vintage ashtrays. Okay. Now, Jesse, you will pick first from these selections, okay, as our guest. All right. The first one we see is a vintage cast iron and enamel fly ashtray. Like it's shaped like a fly? Shaped like a fly. The wings lift up. Ooh. It's a little place to place a cigarette. Ooh. You ash into the body. Okay. Okay. Next is a brass pocket ashtray with a bejeweled spider on top holding a gem. Ooh. Okay. Next, the the last one is a vintage sterling silver pocket ashtray in the shape of a clam. Can you open it up? That's hard. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Jesse, which one are you choosing? I mean, I don't smoke, so whatever I'd be taking, it would be for something absolutely unrelated. So I think I'd have have the clam. Does it open up? Okay. Yes. I'm thinking I have the clam and I put like weird little rings and something in it. Mm-hmm. I love That's that. That's what I, I have a vintage ashtray on the desk right now that I use just for trinkets, bits and bobs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, mm-hmm. little collection trace. Yes. Melissa. Um, I love cast iron uh-huh. and I like weird things. Mm-hmm. So my, fr- my gut instinct is to go with the fly, mm-hmm. but the little spider with the, with the jewel sounds really good too, but mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna have to go with the fly. Mm-hmm. I have a woman that I know that has a collection of the cast iron bug uh-huh. ashtrays. She's a butterfly. Oh, she's a mouse. I just like the fly. I like the flies. moving parts too, mm-hmm. like things that move to create. Mm-hmm. Like, have you seen the ashtrays that it's it looks like a flower, but each petal is removed mm-hmm. and is its own little ashtray? I love those. Love those so much. Spectacular. Yeah. So you're going with the fly. I'm going with the fly. What about you, Sam? The spider one. Oh. We each got I mean, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't even have to fight over them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have my grandmother's vintage pocket ashtray upstairs in my hutch. Oh. And it's got a lily on it and it's enameled and Cute. it's got these little scallops on the top. It's brass. Have to go look. And it's like we, it's like this big. It's like the size of a 50 cent piece. You can only ash one cigarette in one there. One cigarette. <laughs> then, then it's Then over. you just litter like they did yeah. in the 50s and still. No. <laughs> All right. So that wasn't too bad. After our purchases, we're drawn to a booth covered in velvet. Love velvet. Okay. We go to the back of the booth. We're peeking around at everything. And we see, arranged on the back of the booth, hung up, an assortment of collar clips. Ooh. Okay. Do you choose the cluster of crystal rhinestones? There's a set. Okay. The next one being art deco brass with a green stone set in the middle. Okay. Or the apple green Translucent lucite collar clips. Jesse, you're up first. Thinking the Art Deco one sounds quite interesting. Mm-hmm. The ones with the stone. 
there. That's that's what I would choose too, because I really I'm into brass and green right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh and I love Art Deco. Mm. Yeah. We'll have to fight over it, Jesse. <laughs> I'm going to choose the apple green ones. Yeah. Because they're very pop. They're very I do love Lucite too. Yeah. And they're cool. I like a bright colored brooch or something yeah. to wear. Well, and if I could just borrow it for you, from you. Absolutely. That's what we do so already. It's just the best so. of both, both worlds. Both worlds. Both worlds. Okay. That wasn't too bad. No. All right. We're doing good. Yes. Last but not least, we approach a booth with, of course, one of Jesse's favorite. We didn't get into it. 60s dresses. All right. Up first, we have a navy blue go-go dress with a beautiful ivory collar with the little points, right? Okay. Next, we have a spaghetti strap black and gold brocade dress. It's fitted at the waist. It's got a couple of pleats. It has pockets. Okay. Cocktail length. All of these dresses are cocktail length. Okay. The last dress is a beautiful spring green wool long sleeve dress with pastel embroidery Ooh. flowers. His long sleeves, no collar. It's kind of that Jackie O mm-hmm. kind of collar. Jesse, which dress me, do you pick? I'm thinking the first one, the blue go go dress. I'd pick that one, and then I'd probably regret it, but I'd pick that one. <laughs> fair. That's yeah, fair. That's fair. Uh, this is tough, because I would want them all. Mm-hmm. I think I think probably the long sleeve, the green mm-hmm. wool dress. Mm-hmm. Even though I can't wear wool, I'd get, like, it's too overstimulating, yeah. the itch. But I would I would buy it and then I would put it on for ten minutes at a time and feel like a, you have a spelch line goddess. It. Oh, that's a great idea. Will you line this imaginary dress for me, Spelch? Thank you. She <laughs> said yes. Um, because I like florals. Mm-hmm. But I, as this close second choice, the go go the blue go go dress. I like this. Yeah, I'm going because uh, I generally wear black. Uh-huh. A little vampy, a little, and the silhouette of this is very 1950s. I'm going with the brocade. Okay. Dress. I could wear a little like bolero mm-hmm. over it or like a high waist shirt underneath, tuck the straps. So, yeah, there's a lot of places I could go with it. So, that's the one I'm picking. All right. The green one I would pick, but I would never wear it. Right. I would feel like a Skittle. Oh. That's just how bright colors feel to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I didn't ruin any friendships. Yeah. With this this one. was a pretty, a pretty smooth sailing estate sale. I was doing my best. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, this has been an absolute delight. And I cannot wait for our listeners to dive into what you're doing online and to learn more about you. And I wish you nothing but success uh, in your university career with your degree in history. I think this is a great avenue for you and like a proud mom. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, thank you for having me. I ho- hopefully that wasn't too awkward. No, Not at all. No. It was delightful. Yeah, we had a great time. Delightful. Had a great time. Fascinating. <laughs> we had such a wonderful time with Jesse this week. Please go visit her on Instagram at Ghosts in Time, as well as the Mothball Prophecies original. See all of her wonderful pictures we have listed on our website, as well as this week's episode post. And join us Thursday for Jesse's Curio Corner. Bye. Bye.